0: Hi, my name is Milos Belcevic, and I'm about to have a productive conversation
1: with Mike Vardy. Welcome to a productive conversation. I'm Mike Vardy, and I'm pleased to have Milos. Belchevich, join me on the program today. Milish is a senior product manager with over 10 years of experience successfully building products in various industries contributed to the success of organizations ranging from MIT startup to international corporations. He has a book that he has written called Build Your Way, Applying Product Management to Life. And I'm a big fan of taking whatever frameworks that you use and have them be applicable to every aspect of your life to make it universal. So that way, the learning curve is a little bit uh, more um, helpful for you to climb as opposed to you know, onerous. I'm really excited to have this conversation because I like it when somebody puts together a book that kind of marries something that's familiar with and then applying it to something that, you know, needs it, like your life. We talk about that. We talk about the idea of prioritization. We talked about who, if someone is pushing back on this book, what do you say to them, right? Like the idea of taking, you know, what you use for work and applying it to your home life, but I'm tired. Why should I do that? Like all of those things come to come to the forefront during our conversation today. So here is my conversation with Milos Belcevic. Enjoy. Milos, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for having me. Yeah.
1: So we get a lot of uh, guest uh, kind of pitches, requests, what have you, um, you know, on, our, on the regular basis. And uh, as we were going through them, your uh, your book stood out to me. Um, Build Your Way: Applying Product Management to Life. And excuse me. And the reason the reason that that stood out to me um, is most people really should apply more business principles, or should look towards applying more business principles or uh, principles that require like some kind of metric that you can calculate quantitatively instead of necessarily purely qualitatively. um, To their lives, to outside of, I was reading um, an article or seeing, I might've actually been watching a video with Dan Martell, who talked about, you know, having a regular meeting with his partner like I do and how that's important like treat it like a business treat your marriage like a business now i mean you can get really kind of i think people balk at that but what i liked about the idea of using you know product management as a you know kind of a a, a way to work towards improving your life and and structuring your life that appealed to me uh what about that concept appealed to you to the point where you're like you know what this is something that people can do. And it's not a, maybe they're not going to push back as much at that idea. So can we, what, what led to this concept of, you know what, this thing I'm applying in my business life can certainly be applied to every aspect of my life.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, thank you so much. I'm glad you liked the topic in the book. Uh, To me, it felt I was like, for the last few years, I was trying to improve my life, to improve my performance. And at the same time, at my work, I used all these different tools. And then I thought, why is it like I have two brains, or as if I forget everything from work when it comes to life? Right. So that's that. That was the starting point.
1: And then we start to go as we go through the book. You've structured it in such a way that it, it it's really divided into five. And the reason I bring up metrics is metrics is the fifth. But you've got essentially the elements of of product management lifecycle in here. You've got value and prioritization, which we'll get to to start. Discovery, lean and agile. And for those that are listening that don't know what those are, we'll get into that a little bit during our conversation here today. The one that that piqued my interest was the interactions part because I want to know – I mean, to me – Explain the, and for those that are, you know, listening right now, they're like, okay, what does interaction have to do with product management and where, what's the transition? How do I apply that? So that was the one, the fourth and then the fifth one, of course, was metrics. So let's talk really quickly about the interactions part. So what is, what, what were some of the things that you noticed that you were applying to product management interaction wise that you could definitely take to the rest of your life? Because I think that might be one of the places where people like, wait, that doesn't, how, how does that work?
0: Definitely. That's one is a tricky one. And I feel like a lot of people think of product management as individual, individual contributors who sort of just sit alone in the room and think of the product and what we should build. Uh, but in fact, it's full of different uh, relationships between the development team, relationships to your manager, to other leaders, etc. So it's very, uh, you need to be almost... A uh, good diplomat of sorts, and you need to find a way to influence people and uh, get the buy in, etc. Cetera, etc. So, all these uh, different ways of, of uh, communicating and collaborating uh, were very important also in private life.
1: Let's talk about the idea of value um, as we kind of get into it. So, when it comes to the value of a product, what is the what was the what's the factor that when you look at this you go well this is something that can be applied to my life like the value of a product is there's to me it seems like there is and you talk about value and effort value and time like value and risk so everything is accompanying value where where does that line kind of like give me an example of where this gets applied, not just to product management, but to, to life, like something that you you actually tried this with to, to apply value and, and, and this kind of element to your life that you're like, wait a minute, this, this, is, this is probably the, the, the trigger for you, right? That said, hey, wait a minute, this is something that can that can work on both sides of the coin. So what, what was that for you that made that flip the switch when it came to the value aspect of it?
0: Definitely. So I feel in product management, the value is our north star, or even like something that we focus our work on. We want to maximize the value for the user, maximize the value for uh, the company. And in our life, it should be the same. We should make conscious choices that lead to more value. So for instance, it can be health, it could be a quality time spent uh, with family. Uh, and then, then it's all about making a conscious choice to
1: maximize this value. Right. Right. And prioritization fits into this too, right? Because conscious and choices and intentionality need to go around prioritization. And when I think of the term MVP, minimum viable product, um, that definitely kind of, it's interesting because that to me sounds like this is what we need to get the product at the door, Uh to me, the equation there is like, if you're going to look at it from a life standpoint, this is the bare minimum that I need to do to live a life that kind of, you know, at least hits my North Stars at, at the, at, you know, or at least it keeps it in sight. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going in the wrong direction. It's I'm going forward, but it's maybe not necessarily in the most optimized way, right? It's not, there's a bunch, you know, there's, there's some features missing, but nonetheless, <laughs> you know, the things that we want to include, we'll add later and prioritization comes into that that factor and that's something people really struggle with this this idea of it's it's not so much that multitasking we because we've heard about this and it's been drilled into our heads that we can't multitask if anything we are you know it feels like we are when we do things like tandem tasking but it it, it i think the biggest the biggest challenge is you know f- whittling down those prioritizations and you list a few frameworks in here 6 prioritization frameworks that, that will help you along the way, which of the six, cause I want to reveal them all. Do you think is the one that maybe I wouldn't say has the most staying power or is the most timeless, although that could be it. It's more, it's the one that's going to break the bias that this can't, you know, prioritization, you know, there's no such thing as, you know, prioritization means I have to juggle many things. I have to do this. I have to do that. Whereas this framework may reveal, Oh, Oh, Okay, maybe I don't. Maybe I just need to do these things. Maybe maybe focusing intently on this very specific thing has a waterfall effect. So which of the frameworks do you find has worked best for you or even with others that you were kind of kind of leaning into, especially with the Substack stuff and figuring out from your feedback what people were, were more aligned with? Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepassword.com/productiveconvo. Productive Convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there, and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Yeah, I think a great one would be Moscow method, where it's super simple. You basically divide all the things into must have, could have, uh, should have, and won't have. And that's the way of an antidote to this uh, being uh, over flooded with choices and thinking, oh, I must do everything. Uh, it's super simple, yet I find it very powerful. Just sit down and list what is a must, what, and also be aware of, like, I want not do this. Like, make a conscious choice of not choosing something.
1: So when we get to the discovery phases that you talk about in the book, it... it- is this the point where you kind of recognize that this, these principles and the, this approach that you take to product management, was that when the pieces started to come together for you, that this could really be something that works outside of the product management space, you know, that very thing of discovery led to the discovery of the fact that this would work and how, how, Important is that discovery phase in both product management but also in in you know applying it outside of that.
0: Yeah, that that's a nice remark. And yeah, it, it sort of fits all together in, in that point. Um I, I think discovery is crucial. Uh, and it's all about framing the problem and solving the right problem. Even if we build a great product, but we are solving the wrong problem, then everything built was built in vain. And the same goes for our life. So I really think the discovery is crucial discipline. We can call it even a discipline of sorts. When, like with prioritization, there are different frameworks of, of problem framing, of uh, mapping opportunities, etc. So I, I feel it's very important uh, and. Many times we right away focus on the solution, mm. not that much on the problem. And I think we should be more comfortable in this uh, area of like the unknown and the ex- explorative sort of approach to, to life.
1: Well, and, and you know, we've, we've often heard that, you know, if you ask your customers exactly what they want, you're not necessarily going to get the best product. You have to kind of go beyond. That that seems to apply again when you when you take a step back to your life as well. Like you know what I mean. Like it, you can give what's expected, and if you do something that is different, it, there's a period of adjustment, right? There's this like, wait a minute, what's this thing that you know that Milos is doing, or that Mike is doing, or that Apple is doing, or that you know um, this other company is building? Uh, it seems not. It, it seems I wouldn't say incongruent, but it seems. Um, out of character is not the right word either or phrase, but it it, it seems um, off the beaten path, there you go. It's not it's not what we're used to. Um, why, why is it important to not just discover but explore that stuff? You know, both in product, like give us an example in product management why it's important to explore like the things that go beyond what would be expected or anticipated verse and then the same in in life. I mean, I'm sure that there are other, the listeners right now can think of some examples, but to have that clarity or that um that that understanding and awareness is is I think paramount for both, right?
0: Definitely. I I like the reference you said I think it was who said like, if I listen to them, they would get faster horses yeah. and what the
1: car. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Yes, and then I think that's a great example for product management. Um, and in life also, uh, I look at it as like opportunity space and the solution space. Solution would be a horse. Uh, opportunity is a uh, way of traveling. So um, very simple terms in my life. If I'm hungry, uh, I could like have a snack. I could order in. I could cook a meal. I could do a lot of different uh, solutions. Right. And I only focus on a single solution, I miss out. I need to focus on the hunger, the the root cause, and then explore different ways to, to deal with the hunger.
1: And you actually mentioned when you talk about different again, processes, uh, frameworks to use, you mentioned Agile and Lean. Um, in fact, in uh, the, uh, the the section I talking about some principles, you talk about how Agile is great for exploration and Lean for optimization. So first off, I want you to expand on that and, and remember that, you know, there are some people that are listening to this that know exactly what Agile is and exactly what Lean is. But there are distinctions between the two, and then secondly, I think what may be even more important is uh, why why agile is better suited. Like how they fit together. If agile is suited for exploration and lean for optimization, how do those two? Because most people don't think about frameworks like no, you know. And I talk about this. I think this is great. Is that you can take the Eisenhower Matrix, which you allude to in this book, and apply it using alongside the, the time crafting framework that I teach. So you could use, it's not like I only use agile. I only use lean. I only use the getting things done, you know, framework. So I like the fact that you bring up that, you know, there's two, but how do they connect? Because a lot of people, they learn one method. They're like, Oh, I have to learn another one now. Like it's, it's not a leap too far. I don't believe, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on again, the, you know, why agile is great for exploration. Why lean is, 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 the ideal choice for optimization. What each of those are, the distinctions, and then why, how they work together, so that no one's going to run away scared, scared, thinking, "Oh man, I have to learn like five frameworks now to make this work."
0: Oh, okay, that's a lot to unpack. So I'll start one by one. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, I I feel like when we discuss uh, agile and lean, it's almost, to me at least, it's like a philosophy or a way of being and way of doing. Uh, agile is all about responding to change, focus on value, and explore. Do a small in- and fast experiments so you can learn faster, and then adjust. Lean, on the other hand, it comes from Japan, from manufacturing, optimization, and processes. It's all about optimizing. So how do we double down on what's work? How do we eliminate waste, different sort of like wasteful activities, for example? Uh, And how can we scale? And there is this uh, also a paradigm called explore-exploit continuum, which ties nicely to this where you need to explore new possibilities, and when you find something that works, you need to exploit it. And in that sense, lean is very good for optimization, as you said, mm. because it's all about tightening up uh, the the processes, setting up a good structure, eliminating waste. And on the other hand, exploring is sort of agile. You know, we do uh, incremental improvements and test out different. Hypothesis and see
1: what works. Are we right, we're gonna get into metrics now for the data nerds out there. Um, because you know, the idea of we've heard of the quantified self, you know, there's movements along those lines, things that, which which I think is fine. I mean, I you know, I think that you need to have some measurements there, but there's a lot of stuff that can you know, a lot of people measure the minutes and not the moments, right? You know what I mean? So they're 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 focused on uh, every time I hear somebody say, and I'm not saying there's enough value in these per se, but uh, track every moment, everything you do, every moment of the day. To me, I could see some benefits to that, but it is – there. there's nuance that can get missed. When you bring up the idea of OKRs, Objectives and Key Results, and K KPIs, Key Performance Indicators, in this – in your book, and boy, oh, boy, when I talk to people about KPIs and OKRs, first off, people – Some people say that they're using them, but they're not because they they set them and then they forget them, which (laughs) it's it's the equivalent of, you know, um, leaving something in a warming tray, food in a warming tray, and then expecting to grab it, you know, three weeks later and have it taste just as good as if it came out of the oven. Um, You know, there needs to be pruning. There needs to be, you know, again, optimizing, looking, you know, really digging in. For someone who struggles with this idea of not just setting them, OKRs and KPIs, but also, you know, analyzing them, you know, uh, nurturing them. Um, first off, what's some of the, the, the suggestions or pieces of advice you would give for people who they know of them or they've heard of them, but they're not sure how to apply them or, and keep them applied? And secondly, and I know, I'm, again, another loaded question, Um, is it, is it something that once you, with your insights that you, once you start to apply it in your, in your business or in, you know, again, in work life that you should very easily be able to do it in home life without it feeling too, you know, clinical or too, you know, um, again, uh, cold. That's the way to put it, like too cold. And not, not you know, again, you're, you're processing instead of living. We don't want that. We want it to, you know. So I'd love to hear some thoughts on those because I think those areas, they get talked about a lot, but there's a lot of misunderstanding around them. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products as Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business.
0: Definitely. So first of all, I think we shouldn't over-engineer and overkill the the whole thing. Uh, So I totally agree with that. And also I feel like the metrics should be a tool. Not to go in and of itself. So I think starting lightweight is the best way. So instead of saying I'm going to measure my whole life and have KPIs for every single thing I do, uh, we can say, okay, let's let's see four areas of my life, maybe health, uh, finance, work, uh, and you know social activities, mm. for instance, and say like I, I will measure them with with
1: simple KPI uh for each. Give me an example so give me an example of a KPI somebody would set for health. For, for health, like for, for improving their health. For
0: health. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like the number of steps walked because nowadays we all have like smart watches, so mm-hmm. number of steps walked, uh the food eat. So did I eat sugar today or not? Days without sugar. Uh, and similar things for me, it's those like physical activity and, uh, healthy diet.
1: Mm -hmm. And then just, so yeah, to your point, and I think this is where people get caught up is they overwhelm themselves with the complexity of it, where it becomes complicated. Uh, so it goes from complex to complicated, but also they try to do too much all at once. Like you said, they get overwhelmed. Um, could they do this? And as you were talking about, I thought, could they do this for a particular project that they're working on in their home life instead? So maybe not a overarching. Hey, let's look at this department of my life, or this area, or this category. Let's ex- let's try this with the vacation project and probably not the best example for people who are just getting started. Cause the last thing you want to think about is, but the planning of it for sure. Like, what do we want to be able to, do? we want to see this many countries. We want to be able to do this, like just start to get the wheels moving in the right direction before. So again, whittle it down, right. To the point where you're using either for a very, for a very specific area to see how it works. And I remember reading a book called um, Martin Short's memoir, where he talks about this, um, I think it's called. I must say, is the name of the memoir. Really, I really enjoyed it. Um, but he talks about the nine categories of his life that he would regularly grade, and he would he ran his year like the school year, so September to August, because he's again from Canada. The school year for him started in September, and he would once he got through school, he's like, "Well, I'm going to keep doing this, but I'm going to do it for my life, right?" So he's doing it for these areas, and he grades himself, and I think that that you know if you were to start with a couple of areas, it should, if you apply consistent and sustained, you know, focus and attention on it, um, in a way that, you know, obviously doesn't have you, again, uh, making your way through life as opposed to living it. I think that there's merit there. It's just a matter of starting with the simplest of things so that you get used to it, right? And I think one of the things I liked about the book is you gave people tons of frameworks, tons of approaches, tons of of tools that they can use, which was the one as you're going through the book that you felt surprised you the most as being able to work both for product management and for your life. The one that you're like, wow, this I didn't expect this to translate but it it works. Was is there any particular um training model or framework that you find that you keep coming back to again and again as like the default or the the the, the springboard that keeps you moving in the right direction?
0: Yeah, so I was surprised in general how well the metrics work because metrics are usually something as you said like clinical or cold or work stuff, but they work very well in life. And I think my favorite framework would be the personal Kanban. There is also a book, uh, personal Kanban, yep. which I will recommend.
1: Uh,
0: it sort of changed my life. So that's something I, I get back to all the time.
1: Okay. So now we're, we're going to go into Kanban a little bit, which, you know, I would like to, it's funny because when people talk about agile and Kanban, I'm like, and, and lean. I'm like, Oh, they're all, they're, they're all cousins. Like they're all, <laughs> they are, all they're they are all like kind of, so it, it, to me, it almost feels like agile more specifically than lean is the professional version of Kanban and Kanban is the personal version of agile. Like, so I think there's some, what, is there a distinction that you think needs to be highlighted between Kanban and, and lean and agile that maybe people miss? Or is that pretty much like, you know, maybe it's just a distinction to go, Hey, I use agile at work and I use Kanban at home and oh, they're the same, but they're not like, you know what I mean? So how do you, uh, I'd love to hear that because I think, again, there's a lot out there and people will be like, Oh, agile and Kanban are, Oh, they're the same. Hmm. Close, but not quite. So I'd love to have you unpack that a little bit if you could.
0: Definitely. I love your metaphor with the cousins, like uh, one large <laughs> of family. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, i would say kanban is uh, more of a framework so it's more while agile is like umbrella term for different frameworks or like philosophy or a way of doing so right so you could you could you could
1: put like holacracy under an agile way or a lean yes. way of working because it's a framework that covers a very specific way we operate in terms of let's say hierarchy and meetings because that's where holacracy really tends to shine that would be an yeah. example right where agile kind of mm-hmm. when someone says we're an agile company it doesn't mean that they only i mean agile is the is the overarching and then there's little frameworks that live inside of each right oh, sorry. okay,
0: to... okay. Yeah. and then when it comes to kanban or like personal kanban they have like two uh, roles one is visualize the work. So you make it visual with sticky notes or digitally. And the second rule is um, um, limit the working process. So I think it's very important to not do five things at once. You will do them badly, but do one by one and do it properly.
1: So as we get close to wrapping up Milosh, um, you know, mo- mo- I know you're probably getting questions when you're on other shows, like, why'd you write this book? What was the, and I mean, I- those questions are fine. But I think I'm more interested in uh, what this book will do for someone like who feels stuck, who feels like they are floating as opposed to flowing, you know, through their lives, Mm -hmm. through um, for someone who, again, goes to work and I'm all about this with time crafting is time crafting needs to be universally applicable. You can't just have it operate at work. like the best frameworks, the best approaches are ones that you can apply to every aspect of your life because, you know, we all contain multitudes and there's, you know, I mean, work is not just the only thing that defines us. So, uh, you know, who this book is for is, is not, you mean, obviously you'll encapsulate this in, in your answer, but, um, What do you say to the person who just seems when they get home from work at the end of the day that they just want to kind of go through the motions at the end of the day? They don't don't see the benefit of applying any kind of framing or framework to their personal life because it feels like work, which is the thing that they do for the bulk of their day – um, at least, you know, one third of it. To the person that, that's balking against adding some kind of framework, again, applying product management to to that person, what do you say?
0: Um, I Yeah, that's a very good question. I feel that if you're not the one who makes choices and not the one who prioritizes and organizes, then life will make the choices for you. So... In order not to float, you need to start rowing your boat a bit. But also, I totally feel we all are at times stuck, and we all have our ups and downs, and it's totally, of course, normal. Um, But I feel and hope that there would be different resources, and some of them will work, for sure.
1: Milos, this has been a great conversation. I want to thank you for taking the time to join me today. The book is called Build Your Way, Applying project, Product Management to, do, to Life. You could do project management too, but we're talking about product management. Maybe that's the sequel. Uh, Milish, where can people pick up the book and keep up with the work that you're doing?
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. The book is available on Amazon
1: everywhere. Thank you. Uh, And and where can people, uh, they can go to buildyourway.me is where the the book is, right, as well. And there's social and all that stuff there. Milos, thanks for having a productive conversation with me today. Thank you so
0: much. It was a pleasure.
1: Big thanks to Milos for joining me on the program today. The last episode in the... 400. That's right. Next episode, we move to 500. But if you want to check out all of the links, the show notes, etc., just go to productivityist.com slash podcast 499. And you'll have access to all of the links we talked about. But of course, you could do this on the app you're using right now. So whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you're using, you can check out the links directly from there. And while you're doing that, don't forget to subscribe to the show. That way you don't miss a single episode of What's to Come, including the big one, episode 500, which features a conversation with David Allen that I had on stage in Lisbon earlier this year uh, at Running Remote. It's a great conversation that was available to the people that were there. I'm bringing it to you next week as a special way to celebrate the 500th episode of A Productive Conversation. So I hope you'll join me for that. Best way to make sure that happens is subscribe to the podcast today. If you want to support the show in another way, or, you know, additionally, just go to productvideos.com slash podcast sponsors, and you can check out the sponsors that you heard during my conversation with Milos today. That's it for now. We are approaching episode 500 next week, so I hope I'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.